Uh, well, I mean, obviously you're disappointed you don't you don't win a game. You know, you don't win a game. Um, I thought for the most part all three games were winnable. Even with how we played, had the big struggles in game one and game two at the end. And then today, you know, um, this turnovers hurt us, man. It's hurt us. It continues to be our Achilles heel, you know. So just got to keep working at it. You know, for us, it's, it's about how we're playing. And we just simply got to play better. Um, we're playing pretty good during stretches. We got to be able to put more longer stretches together. And hopefully we can get healthier. You know, um, it's just tough. You know, we, we it's, playing with two different teams. You got a veteran team, and then you come off the bench with some teenagers, you know. Um, it's tough to, to kind of keep and maintain that, you know. Um, when we get a little more healthy, you know, now you got veterans and guys that have been around and understand the NBA game and understand coming off the bench and how important it is. Now you, you get a chance to kind of maintain some of these situations. But no, man, we're going home and we're playing, we're playing against some tough, tough teams coming into our building. So be good to be home, but no, no we, we don't, we're not good enough to think that. Hey, Rip City, this is Nasir Little, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Hodon. Greetings, Blazer fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 16 of The Briefcase, your podcast covering all things Portland Trailblazers and beyond in short, digestible pieces. I am your host, Casey Holdall, back in Portland, where the Trailblazers will be spending almost the entirety of the rest of the month. Thankfully, it's good to be home. That's especially true when you've lost seven of your last 10 and seven straight on the road. Trailblazers return home Sunday night empty-handed from a three-game trip. All winnable games, as Chauncey Billups just noted, but nevertheless, coming back 0-3 from that trip. 0-7 in their last seven attempts on the road. It's a tough time for the Portland Trailblazers on this edition of The Briefcase. Well, before we get into discussing some of the issues the Blazers are having lately, particularly in the fourth quarter of games where they have had such difficulty pulling out games as of late, let's go ahead and look at some of the stats we're going to be tracking all season long. So after 39 games, which is too short of the halfway mark of the season, Blazers sit in ninth place in the Western Conference standings with a record of 19 wins and 20 losses, making this the first time this season that Portland has fallen under 500 after losing to the Toronto Raptors Saturday afternoon in Toronto. The Trailblazers are seven games behind the first place Nuggets and one and a half games behind the Kings for fifth, but are also just a half game out of being 12th. So if the Trailblazers aren't able to turn things around quickly and the teams below them, particularly teams like the Lakers and Warriors, started to put it together a little bit, it's going to be trouble for Portland's chances if they're not able to do something in this homestand coming up. Looking at efficiencies on both ends of the ball, the Trailblazers are currently 13th in offensive rating at 113.4 points scored per 100 possessions, which is actually four spots worse than the last time we checked. And if you watch Portland lately, particularly in the fourth quarter, it's not a surprise to you that their offensive rating has taken a severe dip. Portland's issues with turning the ball over really seem to be coming to a head lately, but even that doesn't fully explain why they've been so ineffective on the offensive end lately, especially on their now-completed three-game trip. On the other side of the ball, Portland's currently 17th in defensive rating, which is actually five spots better than the last time we checked in, which again, the Blazers can never seem to put together a good offense and a good defense at the same time. Now, granted, the way that you're playing offense does have some effect on your defensive rating, as in if you're not scoring, it doesn't necessarily force the other team to score as much, which could help your defensive rating. 
But long story short, if they had the 17th ranked defense and the 17th ranked offense even at the same time, Portland would be in a much better position than they find themselves right now. So with their offensive rating taking a dive and their defensive rating improving, that results in their net rating having stayed about the same because before their offense was humming along and their defense wasn't there. So basically they haven't matched these two things up at the same time, which results in your net rating, which as of right now is 0.2, which ranks 14th, being just about average. So again, the Blazers, even though they've lost 7 of 10, still an average team in terms of net rating, which is a combination of their offensive and defensive rating. But at some point in time, they're going to need to make a push. You would hope it's going to be during this homestand, or at least you would hope that it starts during this homestand. But again, as Chauncey mentioned, just coming home is no reason to believe that things are going to turn around for this team. They have to play better, particularly in the fourth quarter. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But before we move on, a quick check-in on the betting markets. The Blazers are currently 22-17 and 17 versus the spread this season after failing to cover in their last three games. The Blazers were slightly favored in the games versus the Timberwolves and Pacers, both of which they lost, and were three and a half point underdogs versus the Raptors and ended up losing that game by 12. Ergo, they didn't cover in any one of those games. Blazers have now failed to cover in four of their last five games and seven out of their last nine. With 19 wins at just about the midway point, they're still on track to surpass their season over under, but they're going to need to make some hay, particularly with a bunch of home games coming up. Portland has already played more road games than any other team in the NBA, so they have a chance both in terms of their record and in terms of the spread, to improve that with some home games coming up. But again, they have to play better. Just being at Portland isn't enough. At this point, I think it's fair to say that the Blazers' execution, or at least the Blazers' ability to score late in games, I don't even know if it's an execution issue or not, is not what they need to be in order to win games. In many of these games, which is the frustrating part, I think, for the team, and guys will talk about in the locker room, is that, you know, it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose a game where you feel like you should have won it and particularly in the fourth quarter, where you're just making too many mistakes late in the game to give yourself a chance to win. And the Blazers have just had way too many of those games recently. The games that they're winning, they're typically winning comfortably. So the fourth quarter issue isn't as much of an issue, though we've even seen at times, I'm recalling the game versus the Rockets specifically, in which Chauncey had to put the starters back in. He was concerned that the bench wasn't going to be able to pull it out. But now that seems to be an issue, regardless of which lineups are out there. It seems like as of right now, if the game is close in the fourth quarter, you don't feel real confident about Portland's ability to pull those games out, and the results reflect that. So when you look at Portland's fourth quarter stats over the last 10 games, it becomes really obvious why they've had such an issue pulling out games. The Blazers' offensive rating in fourth quarters for this season is 105.9 points scored per 100 possessions, which ranks 28th this season. Though to be fair, the Memphis Grizzlies are currently second in the West, are 29th, and the Milwaukee Bucks, one of the best teams in the East, are 30th. So not an end-all, be-all metric, but it's better to be higher in offensive rating, particularly in the fourth quarter, than it is to be lower in offensive rating. And both those other aforementioned teams are also elite defenses as well. Portland is not. And for posterity, Portland's defensive rating in the fourth quarter of the season is 108.6 points allowed per 100 possessions, which ranks sixth, though I'm not entirely certain what to take from that. And again, I think it might be a product of the fact that their offense hasn't been very good in the fourth. That's a pretty far out theory. Take it for what it is. But to drill down even further, in their last 10 games, the Blazers are scoring just 96.3 points per 100 possessions in the fourth quarter, which is by far the worst mark in the NBA over that period. Again, 96.3 points per 100 possessions means that in the fourth quarter over the last 10 games, the Blazers are scoring less than a point per possession. Significantly less than a point per possession, really. And to contextualize just how bad that is, the Blazers are 5 points per 100 possessions worse than the 29th ranked team over the last 10 games, the Golden State Warriors. So basically, something that used to be a strength for the Blazers, late game scoring, late game execution, has now become their greatest weakness. 
Their defense in the fourth quarter over the last 10 games has been great, actually. They're third in defensive rating in the fourth quarter over that period, but their net rating is a negative 10.7, which ranks 27th. So again, they're doing enough on the defensive end in fourth quarters to give themselves a chance. As of right now, though, it's their offense that is sinking their chances in the fourth quarter, which is just not something we're really accustomed to seeing out of this team. To continue to bear more bad news in the fourth quarter over the last 10 games, Portland's effective field goal percentage in the fourth quarter over the last 10 games is 48.1%, which ranks 27th. Their turnover ratio, and anyone who's watched Portland's games recently knows that turnovers have become a serious issue for this team, and it is particularly bad in the fourth quarter. As of right now, Portland's turnover ratio in the fourth quarter is nearly 20%, which is worse than the NBA. I repeat, In the last 10 games, the Blazers are turning the ball over nearly 20% of their possessions in the fourth quarter over the last 10 games have been turnovers. It is no wonder they haven't won those games. If you're turning the ball over one out of every five possessions in the fourth quarter, you're not really giving yourself much of a chance. And their assist-to-turnover ratio over that period is 0.5, which is also the worst in the NBA. So not only are they turning the ball over a lot, but they're not necessarily sharing the ball a whole lot in the fourth quarter in order to get each other looks. Though it's pretty difficult to get assists if you're not hitting shots. And when you look at the more traditional stats, Portland's shooting just 42% from the field, which ranks 27th, 30% from three, which ranks 24th, and 68% from the free throw line, which ranks 27th in the fourth quarter over the last 10 games. They're averaging nearly four turnovers in the fourth, worse than the NBA over the last 10 games. Basically, if there's a stat that has to do with turnovers in the fourth quarter over the last 10 games, Portland is the worst at it. Not a good place to be. As for why, I am not necessarily sure, and I'm not sure that anyone really has a good idea of why this team has become so inept in the fourth quarter of games offensively. It's hard to figure, hard to pinpoint. However, one issue might be, and this is kind of a long shot, but with their bench being so short right now due to injuries with both Nasir Little and Justice Winslow sidelined, Portland's bench unit is now comprised of two rookies, Shaden Sharp and Jabari Walker, two second-year guys, Trenton Watford and Keon Johnson, Andrew Eubanks, who's been good this season, but is still a minimum contract player. That inexperience causes Phillips to end up playing the starters more, who then end up making more mistakes late in games. Again, I don't think that's an especially good theory, but it's about the only theory I have to give you, and the timing does coincide with Justice's injury. Basically, you're only missing a couple guys, but any guy with experience in your second lineup outside of Drew Eubanks right now is out. So when they're able to get Justice and Nas back, which should be happening here sometime soon, at least with Nas, if those numbers start to change a bit, I think we'll know the reason why. If not, the mystery continues. I should probably also mention Gary Payton too here as well, who has played exactly one game for the Trailblazers so far this season, is coming off the bench, would be a great help to that second unit on both sides of the ball. Really a guy who can get his own offense, can create for other guys, and is a pest defensively. But after he came back from the offseason surgery rehabilitation, rolled his ankle in the first game, has not played since, missing the last three games. He was listed as probable going into the Raptors game, had some discomfort in his pregame warmup, downgraded to doubtful, and then Chauncey said in his pregame that he would not play. So not sure what status is going forward. But I guess at this point, you just assume that whatever you get with Gary is going to be a bonus because as of right now, he just hasn't been able to get on the court consistently. And I suppose it should be said that obviously that's not the fault of the young players. They're being pushed in positions to where they're being expected to play important minutes when they just might not be ready for those minutes just yet, or at least not ready to be out there without some veterans alongside them. But still, we don't have a solid second group right now that can go out there as a second line and kind of do their own thing having to really play those guys with starters consistently in order to keep things from getting out of hand. And even then, things are starting to spiral when those guys are in the game. But again, that's not their fault. They're doing the absolute best they can while playing legitimate NBA minutes at this point in their careers. And that includes a guy like Jabari Walker. 
after having one of the best Las Vegas Summer League performances in recent memory, probably since Damian Lillard took co-MVP honors in 2012, Walker thought he would be in the rotation come the regular season, but then he ended up playing with the third string at training camp and was little use in preseason, which seemed like a good indication that he would not be in the rotation. And to start the season, he wasn't. But by continuing to work hard and playing well in the Stay Ready games, which are runs the team puts together with the players who aren't seeing much playing time, along with a few PF staffers, in order for the teams to play 5-on-5, five five, Walker was able to carve out a little spot for himself in the rotation. And when he did get few minutes, even when he was out of the rotation, he always seemed to do a little something with them. So the combination of those two things, playing well in the Stay Ready games and looking like he belonged in the few minutes that he did get, Jabari has now entered the rotation and has averaged over 15 minutes per game so far in January. It's very possible that those minutes get cut back a bit when Justice Winslow and Nas Little return, but considering that he's mostly eating into Trenton Watford's minutes, it seems likely that Jabari will continue to be in the rotation even when those guys come back which is something I think a lot of us expected after seeing him at Summer League, even though it didn't happen right away. I think Chauncey Billups probably wanted him to earn those minutes in a regular NBA setting, and I think that Trenton Watford was probably more ready at the time for those minutes than Jabari was. But now, Jabari's getting his chance, and he seems to really be doing something with it. Here's what Jabari had to say about getting that opportunity. So what are your thoughts, I guess, about ending the rotation? We were just talking to Chauncey, and he's like, yeah, you know, Jabari is, is now part of that rotation, so kind of your, your thoughts on that. Yes, it's just like an amazing feeling, really, because I got to study the guys the first part of the season, and it was just kind of frustrating seeing us lose some games when I know I could be out there impacting in a positive way. So now for me to to know I can do that and to actually show it is just like a fulfilling sensation. How do you feel like you've been playing? Yeah, I, I feel like my job right now is to just compliment the guys that are out there and I've been doing a good job at that. It starts off with energy and um, the trust is just coming from the coaches. They, they're, You can tell they trust me more and more each game. So I just always have to have those basics of playing with energy and then once the, the shot starts to fall then um, I, I still, there's still more I can showcase but that, that'll be in the back burn for when I need it. You, you mentioned kind of the frustration of not getting to play and I feel like for every young player it's kind of like that but mm-hmm. I feel like specifically for you, yeah. after playing so well in Summer League, mm-hmm. I wonder if that made it even maybe a little harder for you to be like, I, I played well, and then, you know, like, yeah. I haven't really got an opportunity just yet. Honestly, honestly, yeah, I did. I did think about it that way for a little bit. Um, I thought I showcased a little bit in the Summer League, and I thought it would immediately just kind of translate. But I understood quickly that it didn't work like that. There's people that were ahead of me. There's people that they trusted over me, and that's just some of the things I had to deal with. And rightfully so, like the guys on this team are really good. I've learned so much from each of these guys, and everybody deserves to be in the rotation, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I'm just getting a shot right now, and uh, I just want to take full advantage of it. Coach had also mentioned too the, the stay ready games you guys are having, and I'm guessing that you must have performed pretty well in those games for you to get at least the opportunity to enter the rotation. Yeah, well, I knew that the team was struggling with certain things, and it wasn't like I was scoring the most points during those, but I just competed. And one of the things the coach told me is, you know, when I step on the floor, I'm going to be a guy that just loves to compete. And I just showed that during those games, even though they weren't like looked at as serious things, I took it as something serious because it was my time to play. Like I looked forward to those and looked forward to Coach watching me during those opportunities to for him to be like, okay, he provides something that we don't have right now. And uh, I feel like that's what that's the vibe I gave off, and that's why I'm getting a chance. To kind of wrap it up, what do you feel like you have to do in order to stay in the rotation? Yeah, I think um, just the things that I've been doing along with knocking down open shots and spacing the floor because if 
I play with energy. I defend, and I'm knocking down shots. I think it's hard to take me off the floor, so I just want to make it as hard as possible. So there you go, Jabari Walker talking about what it took for him to get onto the court, a guy who's really easy to root for, a guy who, to me, has all the makings of a longtime NBA veteran, maybe not a guy who's ever going to make an all-star game, but a guy who I think is going to be an incredibly useful player for NBA teams, hopefully for the Trailblazers, for some time, which is great in and of itself, let alone for a guy who was taken with the second-to-last pick of the draft. Probably also worth mentioning at this point real fast, since we're talking about rookie Shaden Sharp. Uh, it had been reported by Shams that he was going to participate in the dunk contest. I have since confirmed that with Shaden himself. Shaden's excited about it, said basically his parents wanted to do it, his agent wanted to do it, so he figured, hey, why not? I think we all know that Shaden has the athleticism in order to excel at a dunk contest. The question now is going to be the creativity part of it. I'm curious if he's going to end up using one of those dunk coaches. I know Ant has used dunk coach when he won the dunk contest in 2021. I think Shaden would probably be well served to do the same. We'll talk more about Shaden in the dunk contest here as it gets a little bit closer as it's actually announced by the NBA. But figured since we were talking rookies, talking Jabari, might as well talk about Shaden as well. But that seems like a good place to stop on this edition of the briefcase. Trailblazers, as I mentioned, going to be home for a while. Only one road game over their next 11 games. A chance to maybe build some momentum at home. But again, they're going to have to play better in the fourth quarter, regardless of where they're at, if they want to start pulling some of these games out. A busy week of game for Portland. They play the Magic on January 10th, the Cavaliers on January 12th, and then a back-to-back series on Saturday and Sunday versus the Dallas Mavericks on the 14th and 15th. I don't know about how wise it is to schedule two games back-to-back versus a Texas team at the beginning of the NFL playoffs, but there's only so many days on the schedule. NBA schedule makers got to do what they got to do, but I don't know about that one. So thank you for tuning into this edition of The Briefcase. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you later this week. Take care. Go Blazers.